house, um, order in the house. I um, wanted to make sure that you had, because I'm gonna be covering um, a lot of notes, I just wanna make sure that we had the PowerPoint so that you could see it, okay? Now, I am so excited because I am finally free to teach this message to the people of God. I have been, this is one of those messages. Um, unfortunately, I, I, um, I was uh, friends with, um, you know, I, I was called a ministry in my early 20s, and I was friends with a pastor one time, and he was single, and I was single, and we were all single, and it was a group of us that were all friends, and one of the pastors told me, he said, I don't preach on relationships and sex because he said, I, I don't, um, I don't understand that. So I just don't preach on anything I don't understand. And he's like, God's still working out that uh, that area of my life. And I'm like, well, are you studying to show yourself approved? Are you getting any information? And he didn't want to study it. So um, with this particular message, order in the house, I've kind of shied away from it because I didn't want to be viewed as manipulative um, with the intent. Okay, listen to what I'm saying. Manipulative with the intent because I'm, I want to share some things about tithes and offerings that have just blown me away over the years but you can't expect something to people to do something that they don't know about okay and so but the thing is is that you see people mishandle it you see people go and they try to you know twist it if you give this amount of money you'll get a new house or you'll get a new car or whatever like that and when you really study the intent of the tithe and intent of the offering then you understand it in a whole nother way and then you see it and you're like I have a responsibility in God's house for my stand as a pastor as a as a woman of God I have to teach this because because we have to be able to know what the Bible says. You can't expect people to do anything unless you teach them, amen? And so I wanted to teach this, but I also wanted to stay in the building godly community theme um, that we've been on. So let's look at Acts chapter four quickly, and then we'll roll um, into three things. So order in God's house, order in God's house, order in God's house. I wanna say this about order um, in God's house. God always begins from his perspective. If you look at things in the scripture, it's almost like sometimes God will talk backwards to you. You know, if you notice that it says that God declares the end from the beginning, God always starts with, he already knows the finished product. It says that uh, a lot of times we think that Jesus Christ um, uh, died on the cross 2,016 years ago. And it's like, no, the Bible says that he was, the lamb was slain before the foundations of the world. So God always starts with a completed story and then he works his way different. So he begins with his perspective and then he walks us through to the truth. So an example is this, heaven exists before earth. He didn't exist. Earth is where we are. Heaven is where we where he is. Heaven existed be earth before earth. In the temple, he always explained what the holy place was, and then he walks you through to the courtyard where we are. And whenever you see, like in 1 Thessalonians, where he talks about the nature of man, man is three parts. We're what? Spirit, soul, and body. God always talks about our spirit first, because that is the part that communes with him. So God takes us and shows us where we're supposed to go, and then he walks us back to his order. So today, order in the house I cannot talk about tithes without explaining offering. I can't talk about offering without explaining the order of church. Does that make sense? Okay, so we're going to use this as a intro if you want to, because there's so many layers to this. We'll get through it. But I know that if um, if you get this today, you'll, I'm praying that you'll walk away today with a greater understanding. So Acts 4.32, are you there to say the word works? I'm not there. 
Okay, wait for me, wait for me. I got it on the paper. So we'll read the NIV version, okay? Are you with, with me? Now, we've been sharing, Pastor Darrell has been sharing about as we go through and we're building godly community about the first church in Acts, amen? If you wanna understand church, you always gotta look at the first church. So if you look in um, the book of Acts chapter four, look at verse 32, and it says this, all the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions were, were their own, but they shared everything they had, that there was no needy person among them. For from time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them and brought the money from the sales and put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone who had need. Say anyone. Anyone have has anybody ever read this before and you were like completely wondering how they were able to turn over everything that they had? I mean, that just sounds interesting that everyone um, everyone shared all their possessions. Did anybody get my text? Uh, there our email this this week where we said bring something that you could share. Who has something that they brought to uh, share? Okay, you got something to share, Sister Claire. I meant to ask you, can you bring me some sugar from the hallway? I know it sounds crazy, but just bring me some sugar from the hallway. So um, it says that all the believers. Um, all the believers had everything in charge. Everyone shared, and from time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them and brought the money from the sales and put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone who had need. So we understand that there's an order. Now that always sounded interesting, putting it at the disciples, um, putting it, putting it at the apostles' feet. What that really meant is that that day, that just showed submission that we're putting it here. It uh, um, it, it may sound odd for us, but that was just what their view, uh, their way of showing order. Thank you. Um, if you okay, this is fine. I'll do it like this. Um, it just showed order. Okay. So now, three things. Who, what are we talking about today? Tithe, the offering, and what else? And church. I promise you, it's gonna bless you. I promise you, this is gonna this is gonna talk to you. Okay. So with the tithe, how much is the tithe? How much is the tithe? Ten percent. Ten percent. The tithe is ten percent. Come here, Rod. The tithe is 10%, okay? So I if we had a table, I'd lay it on the table. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, and 10. Okay, the tithe is 10%, okay, you see that, okay? The tithe is 10%, okay? So we don't control, this is, this. I love this right now. How many of you guys give tithes? Okay, you give tithes, okay? Not supposed to give it, okay? That's, 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 you're never supposed to give tithes, okay? You're never supposed to give tithes. I just have a crazy announcement to you. You're not supposed to give tithes. You know what you do with tithes? You return them, okay? Everybody say return. I return. So this is what you can say right here for just a second. This is this is my this is my earnings. This is God's what God has given me. OK, who gave this to me? God has given this to me. How did he give it to me? He gave it to me through the ability to work. He gave it to me through the skills that he's put in me. He's given it to me through all these abilities. So I this is the problem that we'll, this is where we first start off just a little bit of ride. We go ten dollars. OK, Lord, I'm going to give you this. And God is saying, no, you forgot this part. You can't give it to me because I just put all this in your hand. I put all that in your hand. So what I'm asking you to do is return to me a tenth. Have you ever, no, just give me a tenth. So he returns it, you understand? So it comes from his hand. He, ha he has everything that you need. It comes from his hand. He places it in 
your hand and he tells you be a good steward and just return to me a tenth and you go okay god but this is the thing that we this is what happens okay you get you get substance from god and then you go oh well okay well this time okay let me give god okay um let me see oh what do i have to do uh, okay okay god i'm gonna just give that to you okay great okay so i'm gonna just hold all this okay thank you lord and father i love you and i appreciate you so much and i just thank you for all that you did and god says this is what you're giving me and he says oh you thought you were giving me something because you needed part of your your tithe to do something else with he was like oh okay well how about you just keep that you just keep that because you want to give me a smidgen out of all of this and i'm not asking you to give me anything i'm just telling you return it to me okay return it to me have you ever done exchange with people and you're giving them 20 and 10 and 20 you can go be seated that's fine and so you this is what god is saying god says this whole thing is mine but when we think we're in control and we think that we're giving then we think we forget and we decide oh maybe i'll give him all of this or maybe i'll give him this part or maybe i'll give him you know what, I'm gonna be real cool today because I'll give God half and then this part I'll go give to the man at the grocery store that was begging for money outside. Okay, so God, this part is yours. This part is the man at the grocery store and I still need, okay, you know what, I'm just gonna put that on my light bill over there. Okay, God, I love you so much. That's yours. That's what we do, don't we do it? Don't, I mean, nobody's ever, I've done it. You've never chopped that thing up? You've never thought that you were in control? Okay, I'm sorry, I thought I was the onlyest one. Okay, all right, you've never done that. But some, at some point or another, we think we're in control, and so we feel like we can do what we want. And so God is saying, you're never in control, you're always in return mode. God is saying, I'm making you be a good steward. When I was single, uh, Dr. Ron Elmore told, told me the most amazing thing. He said, I said, well, I don't understand this and this relationship and this relationship. And he said, Teresa, you are called to be a good steward over your heart. God has set you up as a steward. A steward is not the king. A steward is not the queen. A steward is somebody that is stepping in in place of the one that's running things. And he says, so you are a steward. So God tells you, you are now a steward over all of this. And so I trust that you can return it. Not have the attitude of giving because we can't give God anything. So we sacrifice five things that you can do with your tithe, okay? This is, what the, this is what you do with the tithe, okay? And this is the reason. The reason why God expects money from us, we don't serve money, but it's the thing that we use for living. This is the, this is the tender, okay? I just saw an article that they were talking about doing a world. Um, they had all the world leaders of Russia and China and some other countries together, and they're coming up with a new, a new currency that is going to, to pretty much outdo the American dollar. And I was like, uh-oh, this is about to get crazy. And so he's saying, God says, because this is what you use for living, this is what I'm asking you for, okay? But the first thing that you do, tithing is returning the first 10% of our income to God, okay? It is returning the first 10. I'm giving you the scriptural reference so you could go back and read it, okay? And I'll read it to you if you want a highlight from it. Number two, it is taking, tithing is giving God my first and best, so he could bless the rest. So this is what we're saying. Say I didn't divvy up my tithes. Say I had the 10%, I had the 10, 10%. I was like, Lord, I'm gonna return this to you. Now, Lord, if you're letting me, you're letting me hold all this, are you sure? And God's like, yeah, Lord, but Lord, this is, just seems unfair. You're taking this and I'm taking this, but, you, you're, but you're God. And he says, no, I, I trust you, you go take it. And well, Lord, before I go, can you, can you bless me with this? 
And, and can you bless this part? And God will say, yeah, I'll bless it because you return that part to me. And then what happens is we go over here and God is saying, oh, I don't worry. Don't even worry about it. Remember that I doubled it because you didn't have to pay that and you didn't have to pay this. And so now you count it out one two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15. So now how did I end up with more when I just, and when I started off with 10 and because God is saying, I'm going to bless the rest that you have. Okay. Tithing provides for God's work through the church. Are you guys with me? All right. Okay. I'm, I promise you I'm going somewhere with this. Tithing provides for God's work in the church. And so this is the thing. This is the thing. Malachi 3.10 says what? How many of you guys know what Malachi 3.10 says? If you we've read it over and over and over again, you can say it in your, with your, with your, your, your uh, eyes closed. Okay. And he says this, honor the Lord with your wealth and the first fruits of all your crops. Then, then your barns will be filled and overflowing and your vats will be overflowing with new, new wine. Verse uh, 10 says this, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. Say, bring the whole tithe. Okay. So this isn't the whole thing. Okay. This, this is the whole thing together, but we can't come and bring part of it. And we can't say it's going to go here, here, and here. God is saying, no, you have to bring the whole tithe and you have to bring it where? Into my storehouse that there will be meat in my house. So this is the thing. God's storehouse is his church. It will never be anything else. It'll be his church. So he says this, tithing provides God's work through the church. Tithing teach me, teaches me to put God first. Somebody say first. Look at this. Look at this. First, first day of the week. First day of the week is what? Sunday. That's the day we give to God. First Sunday of the church. Why is the first Sunday of the church has always been such a big deal? Because it is the first day of the month and we're giving that God to God. What does God also ask for? He asked for our firstborn child. So he tells us when you first get up in the morning, do what? Seek my face. When you go to before your week begins, give me worship on the first day of the week on Sunday. When you get ready to go into a new year, what do we usually tend to do in January? We fast because we're giving God that year. And then we give God God, our children. And I love it when Hannah laid on the altar before God, God said, if you give me this child, I'll bless you with more. And it says that she had more, but what did that mean? It meant that she kept that child with her for two years. And at the end of weaning that child, she took that child right back to the temple and said, Eli, I trust this man of God to raise my child. That was a custom in that day. So when they said give that child back, they literally meant coming back and giving that child as an offering, okay, to the, to the house. I know you're, you're bored, but just stay with me for one second, okay? So, so, you stay, you stay with the tithing, okay? So first, seek me in the morning. First day of the week, worship me. First month of the year, give me a fast. First child that you have, give me a child, okay? So it is returning and it is understanding the first. We don't do this with God. See, this is the thing that we do that we forget. We forget to return. We put God on the same level as a gas company, as a water company. And we go, oh, I gotta give you something. 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 Oh, Oh, I forgot. Let me return this. Okay, here you go, God. There you go. Oh, and I got to give you something. God is saying, before you start to divvy up, give it to me first so that I will be able to bless the whole stack. So we come to God, and this is the thing. Don't allow the transactions of the world when they do direct deposit and all of these things. Don't allow them for us to get sloppy. Because one day I was sitting at my desk, and you don't even touch money a lot of times anymore. 
okay? You don't even touch it. So what happens is it's coming through your account. You're, you can go online and you can pay this and you can pay that and you can pay that. And God is saying you're allowing the, the, the inability to see it. You see the numbers when you're going through online banking. But God said, don't forget that it's still what I gave you. Don't let the socialness of the world, the new culture of the world, let you forget. It is a holy peace to me. It is a holy offering to me. So even before I give to others, you give to them, but you return to God, okay? I wish you guys could see your face. I wish you, I'm gonna keep going because I know that there's something in this, okay? All right, so let me go, let me go, let me keep going. I'm gonna keep going, I'm gonna keep going. So you return it to God. Now let's go to an offering. Let's go to the offering. So the first order is tithing. The second order is offering. Now, this is what an offering is. An offering is a gift offered in expression of honor. So now what we have tended to do is we've said, okay, God gets the 10%. I'll pick the offering. Okay, I, I've, I know we've done that. Some people have said, oh, I want to have my offering match my, my tithing. So some people say, I'll give 10% in tithes, and then I'll also give 10% in offering. Or I'll give 10% in tithe, and I'll give 20% in offering. Or I'll give 1% in offering. Or I'll give whenever I feel like giving an offering, okay? But off, an offering is this. It is best based upon special ceremony, the spiritual condition, and the circumstances of your heart. So the original intent of the offering, this is what's so amazing. The original tent of the offering was to provide a way for the Israelites to make and keep relationship with God. The second thing is they are a type of Jesus Christ and a description of his sacrifice for us. And third, it is a pattern for our own approach to God. So don't, don't roll over the offering because you don't understand it or you think it's just something you do. The offering has key significance. Now, remember this. When they gave offering, they gave animals. And God always said this, give me an animal that doesn't have a defect. Don't say, you know what, I can't use this, this, this goat anyway, or I can't use this bull, or I can't use this ram. So I'm going to just give that as an offering because it's no good to me either. God said, always make sure you give me the best part because everything, every part of your life, I'm going to touch. So God said, don't give me anything defected. Give me the best. So the animals that they used for offerings were this, bulls, lambs, goats, pigeons, and turtle doves. Okay. And this is the thing, what you gave, the kind of animal you gave, I'm going somewhere with this, was based on the type of wealth that the worshiper had. So if I had a little bit of money, I might give a turtle dove. If you you had a little bit of more money, you might give a goat or, or a lamb or a bull, depending on what your money earnings were, okay? Animals, there were, this is the thing, animals were killed on the altar. How many of you guys have seen that before, where it says that they were killed on the, on the altar, and the priest took the blood and sprinkled it based on whatever type of offering it was, okay? Follow me in this. The priest had to make sure that even how they killed the animal was done in a specific way, okay? So when you go to, um, a grocery store and you get, how many of you ever said grass-fed animals or you might see caged up animals? What they're saying is the way the animal was made into that meat, the way they were tortured or whatever is going to be in the life of the animal, okay? And so what they're saying is it was cage-free. This chicken was allowed to roam around and pick grain whenever it wanted to or this animal was just quick. It was like they were just on a cattle call and they were just shoved in crates, mistreated, treated bad. And so these are the type of animals. Then we eat this meat and we take it in and this intensity from the animal is then in us. Does that make sense? So now with the, with the tithe, the, the priest had to have, the priest had to do their offering five different ways. They could be disqualified just based on how they prepared the offering, okay? They could, they, this is, I love this. The priest couldn't 
could not do this. They couldn't delay. They couldn't add unnecessary pressure. They couldn't dig into the animal. They couldn't slip into it a certain way, or they couldn't tear the animal, okay? So they had five things. Even when they took your offering from them, there were five ways that the priest had to handle your money, okay? They had to handle your gift. So when you give an offering to the church, we're not allowed to take that and say, you know what? Forget the play in the church building thing at the rent at Hampton Inn. I'm going to Cancun because that's what I want to do. God had specifics. God is such a God of order, and God is such a God of specifics. Even the way they prepared the animal was done in a certain way. Now, the animal was used, and he was atoned for um, before. We, I, I didn't want you to go to this, but it's already up there already. Before the, 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 the offering was given, even the type of standing that you had in God's eyes determined the type of offering you had, Okay. So if we're a priest, so I'm a pastor. The sins of the pastor, they had to offer a bull. The leaders, if remember we talked about in our meeting last week, we had Elder Kenny, Elder Terry, Elder Charles, okay? They had to give a male goat. The common Israelites, just the people in the congregation, they had to offer a female goat, lamb, turtle, dove, or pigeon, okay? Now, these are the five types of offerings. So if you go to the book of Leviticus, the first five chapters of Leviticus tell you the five types of offerings, okay? God is a God of order. So before he went into anything, Leviticus is a book of laws. Everything in Leviticus tells you God's proper order for how you live. But the first five chapters of Leviticus were all based on offering. So the first thing, and remember we said that God starts at his perspective and works his way to us. So look what God did. The first offering was a burnt offering, and it indicates um, it indicates um, surrender, entire surrender. The second offering, the grain offering, indicates a living sacrifice. The third offering, the peace offering, indicated fellowship or communion. The sin offering indicated payment for the sin nature, meaning we are just flawed people. We have a sin nature. The fifth offering was the trespass offering. That was an indicator of forgiveness for an actual committed sin. So look at what God does. God's order has his order, and we have our order. And this is all how Christ did for us. So it's entire surrender, a living sacrifice, communion with God, sin nature, and then the committed sin. That's how God starts with us. And when we come to God, we say, Lord, I committed this sin. Lord, I've fallen sin nature. Lord, I need fellowship with you. Lord, make me a living sacrifice. Lord, I give entire surrender, okay? So God has his order. We have ours. So your offering cannot be negated because your offering must follow the orders of God. So based on what you were doing or based on where you were, that determined the type of offering you gave. So that is why when you come into the church, you have to ask yourself, Lord, what type of offering do I really need to give you? I'm not going to just brush over this because offerings have specific purpose. And then, and these are just notes to let you know, sometimes the grain offering may be called the meat offering, the cereal offering, or um, it might be called the meal offering, but it actually was no meat involved, no animal sacrifice in that one. Okay. So the burnt offering, now there's other types of offering, like the thank offering is involved in the peace offering. Sometimes they gave special offerings at certain times a year, but please do not negate your offering because there is still an order for God even with the offering. Does that make sense? So the tithe is a 10% and the offering is a specific order. You with me? All right. Now, the third part is the church. Okay. Now let's go to Acts. Let's go to Acts. Go back to Acts 4. Could I please have some water? Let's go to the book of Acts. Are you getting anything out of this? I just want to make sure you understand. Okay. So the first church had order. Now, remember we read in Acts chapter 4. I just read it a minute ago. Thank you, babe. Um, 
It said all the believers were in one heart. Everybody bought their possessions. Everybody did their thing. Everybody bought it in. That was the way that particular church was set up. Every church has their own order. Every church has their own structure. One of the things that Bishop gave us is that he said, I, Bishop said this, every believer, he told Pastor Gerald and I this when he was here in January. He said, every believer is to tithe. Every believer does not tithe. He said, but our order is this. If you have a leadership position in the ministry, we expect you to tithe. I will not bend on tithing because I know the blessing within tithing. So that is what we expect. And we say, yes, sir, we understand your order. He, get, he spent a whole hour just talking about the tithe. So we understood the person that we're submitted to, this is the order that they understand. Now, we may come in here and say, don't pay your housing note, don't pay this, don't pay that. Everybody bring their whole check and we're all going to disperse it as it needed. That's not the order of our house. Do you understand that? Okay. That's not the order of this church. But in Acts, the first church that was the order that they had that was the system that they had everybody brought everything in and everybody shared it do you make sense so they were submitted to the order of the church so now look at this in acts 436 joseph a levite from cyprus whom the apostles called barnabas you remember my uh, minister elder terry's teaching on that which means son of encouragement he sold a field he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles feet he was submitted to the order of the house. That's what that house required. Example number two. Now a man named Ananias, together with his wife Sapphira, Sapphira also sold a piece of property. With his wife's full knowledge, he kept back part of the money. Where's my broken up money? He kept back, he told her, this part we're gonna keep for us, this part we're gonna do something else with. And he comes to the apostles' feet, and it says he brought the rest, and then he put, part of the money at the apostles' feet. He broke the order of the house. Where he was planted is where the blessings of the Lord were. It says that they all walked in unity. The Holy Spirit covered them. The church was growing. Everything was going. The apostles were walking in the order of Christ. And so what he did is said, we're going to go behind the Holy Spirit's back and we're going to develop our own order. If you've ever read the story of Ananias and Sapphira, you're like, God is just cold, like, are you serious? Did that really just happen? That, so what happens is Peter, by the, Holy, by the Spirit of God, the money is given. And Peter, the man of God, says this. He said, what is this? Let's read it. Let's read Acts 5. Let's read it. Let's look at what he said. Anybody? Um, oh, here, I got it right here. Okay, it says, but a man named Ananias with his wife, Sapphira, sold a piece of property and kept back some of the price for himself with his wife's full knowledge. I'm reading the New American Standard Bible. And bringing a portion of it, he laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back some of the price of the land? While it remained unsold, did it not remain your own? And after it was sold, what is, was it not under your control? Why is it that you have conceived? Uh oh, I lost my track. Why is it? Hold on. What verse was I on? Thank you. Why is it that you have conceived? Keep going. Wow, I really can't. Got off track. Okay. Um, anybody have it? Because I just. Can you read read it right? Oh, thank you, babe. Uh, Mm -hmm. You have not lied to men, but to God. Amen. And as you heard these words, 
breathed, breathed his last breath. Breathed his last, okay? So he's talking to the man of God. The man of God said, you didn't, he didn't say, why have you done me wrong? He didn't say, why have you cheated on me? He said, why has Satan take advantage and why have you done this? And it says he breathed his last, right? And what then happened after that? It says that they took his body, they carried his body immediately, right? And they took him in the back and buried him. In comes person two, uh, uh, Sapphira. She doesn't know anything that happened, but remember, her and her husband, they came together with their story. So now she stands before the man of God. And she's like, okay, what did my husband tell me to tell you? Okay, that's right. He said, um, he said to just tell him that this is what we have and this is how we're doing things. And so she holds to her story. So he's asking her. She ain't thinking about the Holy Ghost. She's not thinking about nobody. She's trying to remember the story that her husband gave her. And she's like, let me make sure that I say it exactly the way he told me to say it. Amen? So she's like trying to keep it together. And so it says, so, and so Peter asked her. He says, um, and this is what is so interesting. It says three hours later, his wife has no idea. Her husband has died and been buried. She has no idea. And Peter says to her in verse four, tell me, did you sell the lamb for so much? She said, yes, I did. Then Peter said to her, how could you two have agreed and conspired together to, to try to deceive the spirit of the Lord? The feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door and they will carry you also. And instantly she fell at the feet and died and the young men carried her out. This is the thing that you have to understand is that they were submitted to a certain order. Any of you ever, uh, ever heard of a landmark case where there's a decision that's made in a, law, in a law case? And so what happens is whatever decision is made in that case, that sets the trend in all the other similar cases that come behind it. So what God did here is he said, I need you to understand the, the, the danger in lying to the house. So he uses Ananias and Sapphira as an example of you can't lie to the house and never did God ask you to give, you are supposed to return it. So the order of that house was return it and lay it at the, the, the apostles' feet. That's what we saw with Joseph, but with them we see something different. And I think it's very interesting that in the New American Standard and a couple other uh, versions, it says that they breathed their last. Because God is our spirit. The spirit of God is in us, and that's how we, that is our breath. And God says, I'm going to remove my breath from you, okay? Does that make sense? So let's go to the next slide, and then I'm closed. Can you guys say anything just so I know you're anything. with me? Thank you. Okay. All right. I'll take that. I'll take that. This is, this is church order for God. Acts 5-4. What made you think that you could lie to the Holy Spirit? It is not about lying to the church, whatever church God has planted you in, or for us, it's Hallel. It's not about lying to us. It's about when you fill out the offering, when you go online, whatever you decide, whether you're in a place where you're saying, Lord, I, I have a grain offering for you. Lord, I'm in a place where I need to give a sin offering. Lord, I'm in a place where I need to give this offering. Whatever God tells you, that is you and God talking to each other, but you have to understand the order. Now, Matthew 5 says this, when you come into the house of God and you're in the middle of presenting your offering, he says, if your heart's not right towards other people, giving that offering and you're not in the right zone, your heart is not right, you have, you have ought against somebody, you have problems with somebody, he says, there's no point in presenting that because your heart is tied to that. Does that make sense? So he said, in that case, don't give the offering. Leave your offering, go get it straight, and then come back and present your offering because it's an act of worship. Matthew 23, 23, he said this. This is Jesus talking to the Pharisees. He's like, you guys give your tithes. You look all good. You give this tithe and that tithe. He said, but you forgot about justice, mercy, and faith. He said, yeah, you should tithe, but don't forget about everything else. Don't forget about the heart, okay? 
What did Malachi say in verse 8? He said, God, God said this. He challenged the people. He said, you're robbing me. Lord, how in the world could I ever rob you? Lord, how can you say that? I gave you this, Lord. And he said, because you robbed me in what? And offerings, okay? It all belongs to God. Now look at this, number 16, 15, and you can read that whole account. Number 16 is just low down. It's, it basically teaches about a, a split between Moses and Korah, and 250 leaders just stood up one day, and they were like, we're not feeling this, and they came against Moses. And Moses said, you know what? If you want to do that, he said, we'll let God decide. But this was something so interesting that I saw in verse 15. Moses was having problems with Korah and all the leaders that were coming up against. It was a split in the house of God. And this is what Moses did. Moses picks up the phone. He makes a phone call, and he calls another uh, person in the body. And he says this, can you help me? Can you help me deal with this Korah thing? They're splitting up our our, our sanctuary. They're splitting up. They're causing division. And then all this stuff. And they say, nope, we're not thinking about you. We're still trying to get to the land flowing milk and honey. You haven't gotten there yet. So I don't want to have nothing to do with it. And then just as what God said, this is what Moses said to God. He said, God, do not accept their offering. He said, if they're not going to help the man of God, the house of God, when we're in disarray, he said, Lord, don't accept their offering. I had never heard that before. And then he said, Lord, I haven't taken anything from him, and now I'm asking you not to accept anything from him. This is the thing that God wants you to understand. There is order. There is order. There is order. Look at the next slide. This is the order. God says, this is God created the local church. God created the local house to cover you. This is what the church does. The local church just does these alone. Marries, buries, covers you, visits you, comforts you. We are supposed to know what's going on. It's so interesting because we have like two or three um, tithers at Hallel. And they did this and they didn't even know that they were doing this. But it came up to me when we were doing this. They'll come up and they'll say, oh, um, Pastor Teresa, they've done this to me. I don't know if they've done this to Pastor Daryl. And they just say, you know what, I'm believing God for X, Y, Z, and then I'm going to get this amount of money, and then I'm going to do this, and da-da-da-da, so I'm just blah, 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 blah. And I was like, that's interesting because they have a natural trust to talk about their finances because they know that they're walking in order and they're giving tithes and offerings to the house of God. So there's nothing for them to hide. And the, the spirit of Ananias and Sapphira is, you don't need to know what I got going on. You don't need to know what's going on. But because these individuals, they're like, oh yeah, I know, I understand. God has access to everything I have. So when they're talking to us and saying, you know what, if I get this, I'll be able to do this and I'm so excited and I'm believing God for do this. And then we say, you know what, we're standing in agreement with you. I pray that it happens because that's the role of the local church. And they're saying, Lord, I have nothing to hide. And we're not saying that you have to do that. I'm just saying that that's an example of when you have nothing to hide, you, you will share that with them, okay? This is the thing. When you take your tithe and you split it up or your offering and you take it and you have these different parts and you split it up because you make your own rules, God is saying, I'm a God of order. I have order with the tithe, the tithe, the first, the first, returning it back to me, not giving it to me, but returning it to me. When you give elsewhere and you keep your distance, you're saying, I'm going to keep my distance. You're like, oh, but you don't understand. I heard this message and they blessed me so they don't know you. You don't know them. And see, covering is a close relationship. Does that make sense? This is the hardest thing I've ever done. I wish you guys could see how you're looking at me right now. I'm going to keep my eyes faced this way because I believe that God told me to do this. Covering keeps you close. Covering is God's order. If you go and follow the trail of your giving, 
can that trail, wherever you, can that house see your life? Because that is what Ananias and Sapphira, they were in a house where Peter saw their life. They were anointed to see their life. When you are planted in the house of God, the local church, that house sees your life. You can give an offering to another ministry on the other side of town, but the bottom line is the local church sees your house. So when my sister and brother, um, my sister and brother got married, they were like in their 20s or whatever. And my brother, he played um, football for the Green Bay Packers. And so every time, my sister said before the season started and he was over, he was at the, the stadium doing workouts and everything and everything. She said when she would look at the clock and she knew he was on his way home, she'd go take a shower, she'd get cute, put on a pretty dress, and she'd just smell all good, and she'd call and make reservations for whatever restaurant she chose, and she'd have it all laid out, and she had it like time work. So he'd come in, take a shower, and the first couple times he got cute, she was cute, and then they'd jump in their Range Rover, and they'd go somewhere nice for dinner, and they'd have a good time and laugh and talk. They'd come home, go to sleep, he'd get up, go work out, da-da-da-da, counting down the football season, and they had their little trip. So one day he came home and she was in, she was doing her thing. She came home looking all cute. And he said, no, okay, sit down. Just sit down for a second. He says, we can't go out all the time. He said, now sometimes I want to go out, come back from work, and I want to smell something in the house cooking, okay? I need you to have some food. We can, reservations is for a special time. He said, it's not for every day. Monday through Friday, we're not trying out every restaurant across town. And she was like, oh. She said, oh, well. I, I don't cook. You might want to call my sister Roz for that. He was like, well, this is what we're going to do. I'm going to teach you. So from now on, this is what we're going to do. I'm going to come home. I'm going to change my clothes. You have the food in the kitchen. and I'm a shit. Now my sister makes pot rolls. She can have it down. She has it down to a science. But in the beginning of the marriage, she had the dating mentality. You understand? She had the dating mentality where it's pick a place and that's where we're going to go. And when you are in the local church, what God has said is I have married you to a house that covers you. And so that is where you're called to be covered. So you're not always going out to eat. I, we can go out to eat every two weeks. We can go out to eat every three weeks. I'll give somebody my money and have a good time. But in terms of the daily house, guess what? We have a chicken, a kitchen. And we eat here. God says, I'm cooking something for you right here in your local house. And that is why I said, bring it into my storehouse so that there will be meat in my house, in my house, not down the street. He said, in the house that I have planted you in, in the house where I have called you. And that is why we have this giving decree. But you will cross the Jordan and settle in the land the Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance. And you will get rest from your enemies. Then to the place the Lord God will choose as a dwelling for his name. There you are to bring everything I command you, your burnt offerings, your sacrifice, your tithes and your special gifts, all the choice possessions you have vowed to the Lord. So that is the role of the local church. But it's not to go out to eat every single night. God says, if that place blessed you, I've done it before. I've watched somebody on TV and said, you know what? I'm sending you, I'm sending you a word. I'm blessing you on that. But I can't give you my tithe. I can't because you don't know me. And if I give you my tithe, what I'm saying is this is supposed to cover this. I'm returning this to God. You're so far away from me. You don't know nothing about me. You don't know how that word applies. There's nothing connected to you in that word. Sometimes God will use those supernatural words. But God is saying, I'm trying to show you my order. Does that make sense? It's all about order. It's all about returning it back to the house of God. It's all about understanding the return, the first, so that he could bless. Look at Malachi 3.10, and we're closing. I want to read it to you in the living, living Bible, and then I'm done. The living Bible, and I love it. He says, try me. Try me and see if I won't do it. 
I love, it's just the last part. He said, just try me. Just try me. He says, God, I love it because God is willing for you to test him. Malachi, uh, I say out of the Living Bible, um, Malachi 3, 10 be the very last part. I don't have internet connection good, so I can't pull it out. But he said, try me and see if I won't do it. He said, see if I won't do it. So this is the thing. Um, some of us um, go to the, you can go to the next one, and we're closed. Some of us, he said, try it and let me prove it to you. That's it right there, the Living Bible. Try it and let me prove it to you. One of the pastors that I was looking at, um, um, and he said this, he said that we should be able to show you where your giving goes. So this is where your giving goes here. Outreach items, when we go out, for instance, when we went to um, One Generation, we didn't just go and clean, but we left an offering there. We gave them a check to, um, to pour into that nonprofit. In-reach supplies, when Jessica needs things for the kids, when we need, when Sister Clara needs things so that we can bless, it is, it is appropriate to give things to the people in the house, okay? Light bearers, the rent for Sunday at the, ho at the, uh, at the uh, hotel, salary giving, honorariums, okay? When Bishop comes, we always give to, give to him. Um, we make Make sure that we take care of people when they come and minister in the house because that is the appropriate thing to do, okay? Software for admin. We had to buy, Marilyn was one person who found a software program for us to use for our giving. Apps and social media. The reason why I told you try to use the Bible here is because your tithes and your offerings take care of that. We want to make sure that we have a platform for you to do that. If we have promotions, if we have cars that we need to be able to buy, we need to be able to have the money for that. If we have equipment, when we needed an overhead projector, we were able to buy that, okay? computers. I remember one time we needed a computer and the first time we were really new and we didn't want to put too much of a need out there but we did it. God told me one Sunday to do that and Rod knew of a connection and the church was able to get that Mac right there because we said that we needed a computer and uh, Rod used that. Programs um, that we give to or missions for instance we support mi uh, uh, Museum of the Bible that they're building in, in uh, Washington D.C. Uh, uh, Pastor Daryl's one of his mentors Dr. Ron Elmore they're doing missions overseas and we want to start giving to them so when you pour into this house, that's where it goes, okay? And then if anybody in this house would have a need, the church is able to do it, okay? So that's what it is. So God said, put me to the test, try it, and let me prove it. So this is, go to the next slide, and we're going to uh, watch this. Because if somebody could hit the lights. We're going to watch this, and this is something that a lot of churches are doing, and we're going to, in order to show you and to, for you to try the concept, God said, try me, test me, and see if I won't do it. Did it go out, or is it? Oh, okay. At Life Church, we love to say that we will lead the way with irrational generosity because we truly believe it's more blessed to give than to receive. One of the best ways you can begin your journey toward a life of generosity is with the tithe. What is the tithe? Well, tithe comes from a Hebrew word, ma'aser, which simply means one-tenth. What is a tithe? We are blessed, as God blesses us with so much, to return a tithe, one-tenth of what he gives to us, back to him in an act of worship. Now, that sounds crazy, and it is. The good news is that God actually says in his word, 
that we can test him to see if he's faithful. As we return 10% to God, we believe that God is faithful to provide for us and bless us in more ways than we can imagine. In fact, if you'd like to test God in the tithe, we have what we call a three-month tithe challenge. Your campus pastor can tell you more, or you can find out information online, and we can literally put God to the test. We worship him by returning 10% of what he trusts to us, and we'll see him prove himself faithful. Why? Because we love to lead the way with irrational generosity because we truly believe it's more blessed to give than to receive. Can you say irrational generosity? Okay, so what we're going to do is we're going to, number one, we're going to this, do this. We're going to repent for how we've been doing um, offering because we, we rush through it so quickly and we do other things while we're doing that. So right now, we're going to just have more reverence for God because we understand this is something that he's asked us to do. And we're going to make sure that we take time. So one of the things that we said in our revamp meeting last, night, last week was, if you want an envelope, you ask for it. So if you need an envelope right now, you can ask for it, okay? If you're gonna give online, or if you're going to give through the app, then you could do that and your record will already be given. But if you do need an offering, because we don't wanna waste the offerings. But another thing that we're going to do right now, Rod, could you help me? We're going to, if this is the thing, before and as he gives this to you, um, if I could have one so I could see. This is not for everybody, so if everybody doesn't want it, we're doing two things. We're going to take, even if you are a tither, even if you are a tither, listen to what we're going to do. We're still going to ask you if you want to take the three-month tithe challenge because of this right here. We want to make sure we do it with the right heart because we talked about giving, and he says, leave your offering, get things right, and then go back and give it. So this is the thing. If you've been giving your offering, but you've just been doing it haphazardly, you've been doing it with, a, with an attitude of, oh, yeah, okay, I'll give this, or, oh, this is what we're supposed to do. First of all, we don't want to do what? We don't want to give our tithe, but we want to do what? Return our tithe, okay? We want to return our tithe. So if this is just a commitment to say that I am going to, I am going to place my tithes with the heart of worship before God, okay? Proverbs 3, 9 through 10, this is our, our scripture to go. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. What that meant is that they would crush the grapes up here and then they would pull over here. They, the grapes, the juice would, would, would uh, roll down here. But when he said your vats will be full, what he's saying is as the grapes are being crushed, the juice from it will rise up and it'll just overtake it, okay? And so we're asking you, thank you, dear, uh, dear Hallel, thank you. Um, we're, this is what we're saying. Thank you for covering me. Thank you for blessing my returning, Lord. I freely return 10% to the Lord in this house. I I will ask him what offering I should give as the months go by. In Jesus' name, amen, and so be it. So, dear Hallel, we're asking you, if you want to agree to that prayer, sign your name, give your information so that we can pray. But we've been doing the days of prayer. How many of you guys have been doing your prayer that you've been getting every day during the week, those of you who are part of Team Hallel? We want you to understand, before we, 